Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Babo is on day two of a farm trade mission to Philippines, promoting wheat and other farm exports from Canada. The Senate begins hearings on soil health. We look at the impact on grain markets from the skyrocketing value of the U.S. dollar. Real Agriculture talks about high-tech farming. We hear about the challenges of dairy farming in Saskatchewan and a look at big game hunting regulations in Saskatchewan. The farm weather's in its usual spot. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director, Jim Smalley. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, your first and last stop for grain pricing and crop protection. Federal Agriculture Minister Marie-Claude Babot is on day two of a two-day trade mission to Manila, Philippines. Babot is meeting with Filipino government officials and various members of farm and agri-food industries and organizations. Yesterday, she met with senior representatives of Tim Hortons, Philippines, to discuss future plans of the Canadian firm and experiences in Asia. She also toured a milling company to discuss experiences in importing and using Canadian wheat. Today, Babo is scheduled to meet with the Philippine Undersecretary of Agriculture, members of the Farm Advisory Council, representatives of meat processors and meat importers. She will also meet with other farm importers such as flour milling, feed milling, and producing as well as food processing. The Senate Committee on Agriculture is embarking on a very important topic, the health of Canadian soils. One of the first presenters to the committee this month was Cedric McLeod. He's the executive director of the Canadian Forage and Grassland Association. Here's part of his presentation to the committee. The Canadian forage sector is, is the largest land use type of Canadian agriculture. Over 70 million acres covered coast to coast uh, in, in this green gold. Um, but the challenge that we're seeing between uh, census tiers of 11 and 16, we saw just over a million acres of native rangeland. So this would be historic um, millennial uh, aged grasslands disappear. So, and when we lose those grasslands and they move to annual crop production, there, there, is, there, is a, there is a significant loss of, of carbon and biodiversity and, and other factors. Further to that, on the tame forage, so those would be, you know, largely what we'd see here in eastern Canada, throughout Ontario, alfalfa timothy type crops, we saw a similar decrease of just under 800,000. So combined, we're looking at 1.8 million acres of loss within a five-year period, and I haven't had the time to go back and take a look at the new census, but I suspect that those trends are continuing. So 
as we lose that permanent cover, there's a lot that goes along with that. Uh, and that's where the soil health strategy really becomes important to consider. Obviously, uh, in a time of climate change, um, you know, which is going to impact soil health as we get more erratic weather, um, soil health becomes even more important from a, resili a, a cropping system resiliency perspective. So when we, when we lose grasslands and we, we pull um, perennial forages out of rotation indefinitely, you know, we're losing thousands of years of, of carbon storage, especially in those native grasslands. So it is really imperative to those mar so marginal cropland areas that would typically be covered in grass, they stay uh, in permanent cover and, and keep that carbon uh, very securely sequestered. That's Cedric McLeod, the Executive Director of the Canadian Forage and Grassland Association, speaking to the Senate Agriculture Committee about the health of Canada's soil. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Prairie 6-inch eavesdrops. An inch makes a big difference. PrairieEavesdrops.ca And your Prairie Co-op Grow Team. Fueling farms, feeding families in Cupar, Ituna, Lipton and Strasburg. A grain market analyst says the rising value of the U.S. dollar could be a damper on grain prices. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Pacallo says the U.S. currency has reached its highest value in two decades. Well, Jim, looking at the grain markets here, one thing to keep an eye on is how the U.S. dollar is going to trade this week. So we have seen now the U.S. dollar increase to a 20-year high based on global recession fears. So with the U.S. dollar rallying, I think that could put a lid on grains rallying significantly. Again, there could be positive export numbers or weather or, or Russia-Ukraine news that is unforeseen that we could see a rally. But to see you know, the U.S. dollar increasing the way it is, that's something that traders will definitely be kind of watching for. On the canola front, something I'm watching for is potentially actually buying back canola that clients have sold. So the yields that I'm hearing from, from clients kind of across the prairies aren't really what those have thought that they were going to get. So canola in the later winter months, we could see a little bit more of an increase. And that's when replacement strategies such as buying futures or calls, depending on the client's risk tolerance, could be suitable. How does the U.S. dollar rising really hurt grain prices or grain markets? Well, as we all know that the futures market is based on in U.S. dollars and they're the main world market. So as the U.S. dollar increases, that really makes it more expensive for other countries to buy U.S. commodities. Now, that's the thing. What could happen here in Canada is maybe our commodity prices look more attractive. And that's when I would say producers can work with their, their marketing advisor on what local cash prices are and things like that. But one positive factor maybe for Canadian prices is that the Canadian dollar is well below that 75 cent area now. So that could actually be a positive factor for Canadian grain prices. And your outlook for grain prices this week? What happened last week? Last week we saw an increase on both canola and Minneapolis wheat and we'll see if we can continue the positive trends that have developed on the charts. However, as I said, there are some headwinds that traders might be kind of saying will outweigh 
some of the positive technical side. Adam Pacallo is a commodity futures advisor with PI Financial. Australia is helping a neighboring country contain a foot-and-mouth disease outbreak. An estimated 500,000 cloven-hooved animals have been infected in Indonesia, mostly cattle, but some pigs as well. Foot-and-mouth disease is an extremely contagious and severe viral disease. Some animals die while others are weakened and debilitated. Dr. Megan Niederwerder is an associate director with the Swine Health Information Center. She talks about the efforts to contain foot and mouth in Indonesia. They have uh, started to deploy a strategic vaccine campaign to contain and reduce uh, foot and mouth disease virus spread. So far, they have vaccinated approximately 1.6 million livestock. Australia, with its large cattle herd, is working closely with its neighbors to keep foot and mouth disease in check. Specifically, we've seen the Australian government really step up to help their neighbors. Of course, there's a close geographic proximity between Indonesia and Australia. They've announced recently that they will be supporting uh, Indonesia with approximately $10 million in biosecurity packages to assist uh, Indonesia in response and also help prepare uh, Australia for uh, potential FMDs. What they've provided has been help with uh, vaccination. Also, Australia has really increased their border protection with regards, again, to that close proximity. So implementing strategies at the border and airports to help prevent the virus from being introduced from Indonesia to Australia. And then also Australia has been focused on their preparation again for a potential incursion. Indonesia has been free of foot and mouth disease since 1986. The first case was reported in May and has now spread to 23 of Indonesia's provinces, including Bali, a hotspot for Australian tourists. Most of the cases have occurred on smaller cattle farms. There are 6.5 million farmers in rural areas of Indonesia and 16.6 million cattle. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Email advertising at realagriculture.com to learn more about this unique keynote opportunity. We're now going to talk technology from the perspective of the farm. We're talking to Christian Hebert. He is the CEO of HGV Ventures, a, farm, a farming operation in Mooseman, Saskatchewan. Hey, Christian, how are you? Pretty good. How are you doing, Sean? Hey, man, I'm doing pretty good. Okay, so we, I, I read a, a blog post that you put up in, in relation to things that ag tech companies must consider when it comes to trying to do business with the farm. F from your perspective, what, what are some of the critical things that tech companies need to be considering as they try to commercialize their IP onto, at the farm gate? Yeah, so I mean, you know, I think I'd start out to say I'm, I'm very positive ag tech and believe it's gonna continue to change agriculture, even though I, I agree with you, many, many don't make the cut, right? And I think the first step 
I would probably go with, I kind of had a suggestion of a, of a creative payment plan for the first adopter farmers. Cause those are the ones that are really going to help you prove that your idea is actually going to work in the field, not just on a whiteboard or on a computer screen. And they're going to give you really good and honest feedback. And for that, you know, they shouldn't be paying full price, whether it's a discounted rate or in my mind, some sort of a stock option, et cetera, that they feel like they're part of the team to help move this company forward. It's a, it's a pretty critical step for that first little, you know, the first launch to make sure you're getting very good feedback, but also not just feedback in a criticism way, feedback in a way as in we want to make this better together. I would imagine a lot of times these companies go kind of to the same pool all the time. Um, do, do you feel that you're approached a lot with, hey, we got this new product. Would you like to, would you consider it? Yeah, you know, we do get quite a few approaches just because we've been part of a few. And I mean, my kind of my advice to the farms that start doing this and to the ag tech companies is, you know, as farm managers, we need to make sure we kind of stay in our in our ditches, right? There's things I'm good at, pretty strong at financials, pretty strong at risk management, you know, pretty strong at culture. You know, I, I'm not the best agronomy guy when it comes to pointing out this is this weed and this is that weed. So that's not the type of technology I should probably be giving advice on. Um, and I think if we start to move that around, every farmer has different skill sets of where they really excel. And, and then I would trust their decisions every bit as much as mine or most likely more in certain areas that, you know, that that's really good for the industry. If we get those experts within their lanes, working with those tech companies. You know, one of the things I get really frustrated about is where we try to create closed systems where, you know, maybe one app or function doesn't talk to another and we, we're running in all these silos. And the reality is the farm's not like that. A farm is like an interconnected web of all these functions the, the the API part of this which is you know the language that connects these different uh, these different apps and things like software programs I, I, I I'm with you I, I one of yours in the list here is open API systems and I, I gotta agree with you we don't want to have to open up 15 apps in the morning. We already have to open three or three to five, you know, the way we run the farm currently. And it's pretty frustrating that once a year, we basically have to go in and, you know, update our fields in every single app. Some as simple as your field number and your field name and the acres. Um, there's no reason that, that, you know, those minimal parts aren't API'd. Now, you know, I have received a bit of feedback that APIs can be expensive, et cetera. So I, I don't disagree with that. But my argument back would be some of the larger companies really need to step up to the plate and make these APIs somewhat reasonable for the smaller ag techs to deal with. Um, I think I think in the end, the farmers are the check writers and the larger tech companies really need to start listening to them because it's making our life pretty frustrated on pretty frustrating in some of the areas. What about the payment? Like you mentioned the, the, the schedule <laughs> for early adopters, but there's a lot of per acre out there, like, you know, pay X per acre to use our tech. It, is, is that an old way of doing it? Are there better ways? What are your thoughts? My issue is, is, you know, I believe you get paid for time and value, not necessarily acres. And, and I know a lot of call it eight, 10, 15, 20, 40,000 acre farms that are pretty tech savvy and have really good operating systems and probably are less work than some 2,500 acre farms that aren't as tech savvy. You know, I, I'm fine with a per acre up to whatever it is, 2,500, 3,000 acres, because you have your base fixed costs and, and set up and training you need to do. But I do not believe that the, after that, that the payment should keep being per acre. It's your regular weather forecast on the RM.
The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devin at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Sunny sky today, wind northwest 20, the high 25 degrees, the low plus 3 with a risk of frost. Tomorrow, sunny, wind southeast 30, gusting to 50, the high 23, the low 9. Wednesday, sunny, the high 26, the low 8. Thursday, sunny, the high 28, the low 10. Friday, partly cloudy, the high 24, the low 7. Saturday, sunny, the high 20, the low 7. Sunday, sunny, the high 21 degrees. In other words, some pretty good harvest weather this week. Normal high is 15 for the state. The normal low is plus 1. The sun rose at 6.51 this morning. It sets at 6.49 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot is in the southwest corner at Val Marie, 23 degrees. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids, at 11 degrees. Estevan is 21, Saskatoon 19, Swift Current 18, Weyburn 21, Yorkton is 19 degrees. In Regina, with sunny skies, it's 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit, winds are from the northwest at 23. Humidity is 35%, the barometer rising, 102.1. Sunny and Moose Jaw, 22 degrees, winds are from the northwest at 30, gusting to 39. Once again, Regina, sunny and 21, that's 70 Fahrenheit. This spring, apply pre-emergent Edge Microactive Group 3 herbicide from Gowan Canada before seeding your canola, peas, or lentils. Maximize yield today and manage resistance tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Patterson Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Patterson Liquid Systems, expect the best. Dairy farmers have been getting larger, but there are still some smaller operations. Cliff and Karen Jacoby started their dairy farm about four years ago in the Hepburn area, about 300 kilometers northeast of Regina. The Jacobys milk about 60 cows. They're part of a Sask milk program that provides additional quota to new producers. In addition to buying quota, we were given or lent some quota through SAS milk that we can use and produce um, as long as we're dairy farming. Cliff Jacoby grew up in B.C. before moving to Saskatchewan, while Karen was raised on a beef and grain farm in southern Alberta. Each day on the farm begins early. Our chores start at 3.30 in the morning, so that's the morning chores, and then... Typically, we'll come in for breakfast, maybe get the kids off to school, and then see what else needs to be done for the day. Summer is busy, so there's things to do every day. Um, and then chores again at 3.30 in the afternoon. Then we like to be done early. Often we're done for the day by 5.30, so then we can have supper and um, have our evenings a little more free. The Jacobis have four children, two boys and two girls. Some of them love the animals and some of them love the equipment. So um, maybe they enjoy feeding calves or maybe they enjoy hopping in the skid steer and, and helping us on the equipment. But yeah, we're home. It's a good home life. The kids learn the value of hard work. 
they see that we get up early and we do it every day. The farm life is good, but can be stressful. Although we've been really, really blessed and excited to have the opportunity to dairy farm for the last four years, um, nothing comes easy. And, you know, we've, we've had some rough years and feed prices going up and milk prices being a struggle. There's a lot of considerations and there's a lot of stress and pressure for a farming family. Um, and we really appreciate the community's support towards dairy farmers and farmers in general. Karen and Cliff Jacoby spoke this summer at Ag in Motion. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com. The Saskatchewan big game hunting season is fast approaching this fall. Conservation Officer Cody Osborne says a person must be at least 12 years old to buy a hunting license. And if born after 1971, must also pass a firearm hunter safety education course. He says hunting season is already open for some of those with a bow and arrow. Depends on the species that you're hunting for. Elk generally opens first with archery opening August 25th and rifle starting September 15th. And then we move into moose season, usually at the beginning of October. Uh, mule deer sprinkles around in there too, typically in November. And whitetail really gets going November 15th. So hunting season is really uh, later this fall. What kind of s numbers do we have? And then I'll ask you some of the rules around hunting. But uh, how does supply of mule deer or, or uh, white-tailed deer look? Well, it depends on the area. And I, it's kind of hard to answer that exactly myself. Um, I'm not one of the biologists that conducts the surveys to find those numbers. But overall, populations are quite healthy across the province. What are some of the rules around hunting deer and, and, and other big game? Well, there's quite a, quite a few to mention right now. Obviously, you need a hunting license prior to going out hunting. Um, you can get that once you've completed your hunter education course in firearm safety. Once you have that, um, you have to ensure you're following the dre proper dress codes. So if you're hunting with rifle, uh, you have to have uh, an outer garment that covers your torso that is either scarlet, bright yellow, orange, white, or any combination of those colors. And you also have to have uh, headwear that is of the same colors except for white. Um, even if you're accompanying a rifle hunter, you have to wear those colors as well. And that's just for safety purposes so people can see you. Um, if you're archery, muzzleloader, or shotgun hunting, you can wear any type of clothing you wish. As far as the times of day, for safety purposes, you can't hunt at night. So you're only allowed to hunt from one half hour before sunrise to one half hour after sunset. And if you have to recover an animal at night after the legal hunting time, you need to contact a conservation officer before attempting that retrieval. Also, for safety reasons, you can't hunt within 500 meters of any occupied building, stockade, or corral without the permission of the occupier and you cannot shoot along or across the traveled portion of the roadway. How does the recent changes to the trespass legislation affect those who want to go out hunting? Yeah, so as of, as of January 1st, 2022, it's now illegal to enter any land without the consent of the owner or occupier of that land. So all that means is that you just have to obtain permission from that owner or occupier before going on their land to hunt. 
Um, this consent could be verbal or in writing, and it is the hunter's responsibility to prove that they have obtained permission. This requirement does not apply to vacant provincial or crown land, such as the provincial forest or fish and wildlife development fund lands. Cody Osborne is a conservation officer with the Ministry of Environment. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update brought to you by Freeze Tallman Lumber. Since 1956, Freeze Tallman has been your trusted building materials supplier for every type of project. Freeze Tallman in Regina and Fort Capel. Grain prices were showing upward movement in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose four thirty at eight hundred dollars forty two cents. One red spring wheat gained a dollar three at four oh nine forty four. The rest were unchanged. Durham three ninety nine fifty six. Feed barley three oh two eighty seven. Chickpeas nine twenty five ninety five. Flax six twenty seven sixty seven. Lentils seven oh four fifty. Oats two fifty five thirty two. Yellow peas four thirty one thirteen. Feed wheat two eighty nine fifty six. At Minneapolis, December spring wheat fell fourteen and three quarter cents at nine thirty four and a half. It's the livestock reports on the source six twenty CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn Livestock, 842-4574. Now the latest quotes. Heartland Livestock Market reported spread. Jensen reporting from the Swift Current Yards. Last week we had 638 head on offer, and here's how it went. The good cows, they were bringing $1 to $1.07 up to $1.10. The medium cows, they were bringing 70 to 90 with the feeding cows bringing 115 to 140 We did have heiferettes in here last week bringing 150 to 170 The good bulls, they're bringing $1.20 to 145 The steer calves, five weights are bringing 270 to 310 Four to five weights, they're three to three. The three to four hundred pound steers, they're bringing three forty to three sixty five into the heifers. Five weight heifers, they're bringing two bucks to two thirty. Four to five weights, they're bringing two thirty to two fifty. The three to four hundred pound heifers are bringing two forty to two sixty five. Our upcoming sale here this Thursday, September the twenty ninth at nine thirty a.m. Two thousand head on offer, half calves and half yearlings. Canada's source for quality, Heartland Livestock and Swift Current. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jess Molly. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auction. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. And brought to you by Western Ag Professional Agronomy. If you want to make cropping decisions with confidence, visit growmoreprofit.com. Europe is staring down a winter energy crisis. Russia has reduced natural gas supplies as Europe supports Ukraine and the continent's ability to get through the winter may depend on how cold it is and competition from Asia. The lights of the Eiffel Tower are turning off earlier than normal and shop windows across Europe are going dark to save energy. High prices mean households and businesses are trying to use less heat and electricity, but they're running into the hard truth that cutting back only shaves a little off their bills. Governments are rolling out relief and have been able to bolster natural gas storage. But analysts say Russia still has leverage with energy prices high and supplies tight. Pakistan's massive floods this summer have wiped out large swaths of crops. Now the country fears significant food shortages. 
One reason for concern is that the wheat planting season is fast approaching, but vast areas that would normally be planted with wheat are still underwater and may not drain in time. That could mean a smaller harvest down the line. At the same time, hundreds of thousands of small farming families have had their livelihoods and food stores wiped out. The cash-strapped government has been forced to turn to imports, but still hopes the upcoming wheat crop will come through. On the markets, the TSX is down 85 points to 18,395. The Dow has fallen 260 points to 29,330. Oil has dropped $1.45 at 77.29 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is at 72.60 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the On Demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything A. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.